Greyhound to trap one. Greyhound to trap one. How do you read me? Over. Welcome to the Trap One Podcast. I'm Citizen Mark. I am Citizen John. And I am Citizen James. It's a very biblical one you've got going today, Mark. I have, haven't I? I didn't, uh, I should have should have found um, a fourth, shouldn't I, though? I didn't, didn't think about it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Your mate Judas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the music from the Sunmakers is released today on CD and vinyl. Praise the company. So I thought it'd be a Praise good the company. company. I thought it would be a good excuse for us to talk about this story. Uh, so what, what memories have you got of this? I guess you remember this one going out, John? I do remember this one going out, yes. What the answer to your question is <laughs> yes. <laughs> how, um, how to instantly age someone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't. I'm very, very old. I was, I, I was 12 when this came out, and I was... Um, my, my initial... Do I remember it? I, I do, because I, I watched each episode on a Saturday afternoon or evening it was, it was absolutely you know kind of it, it was crucial that I see it and that everyone shut up and I just do my thing so I will have seen it do I remember it I don't know because it what was the one before this it was Image of the Fendal before this um, yeah it was yeah Image of the Fendal which I got the world was after this was Image of the Fendal on, on like a bonfire night one of the episodes was wasn't it it was, yeah, because this yeah. went out this was late in November, November, so it would have, yeah, it would have been. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think probably, probably I was just, just starting to cultivate um, what, what, what has dogged me for the last 40 years, which is a, just an unbearably snooty attitude towards things and an inability <laughs> to understand what is in front of me the minute I see it. And I, I think I thought it was a bit silly. Um, and I... And I, I that, that sort of stuck with me for quite a long time, and it's just in sort of adulthood, particularly late adulthood, that I, I've come to absolutely adore this one. Um, mm. So, my, yeah, you know, my, my initial memories were, oh, this is, this A, this isn't Star Wars, and B, <laughs> it, it's, it's silly. Pluto, that's not Pluto, that's just silly. Why are they being silly? Um, and it is quite jokey. Uh, it, there's, there's a lot of... Um, really funny stuff in it and it's not just Tom Baker there's there's a lot of really um quite quite just kind of broadly humorous and then quite sly stuff going on there so you know my, my opinion of it these days is, is very very high indeed I think at the time I I was probably a, a little bit dismissive in the lofty way that only 12 year old boys can be <laughs> what about, what you, about you you remember the Seeing this one? Um, I, so for, for me, I <laughs> came along a bit later into Doctor Who. So Tom Baker's an era, an era, an era, sorry, that I kind of didn't get on board with until much, much later. So I sort of joined Peter Davison. Then I was doing rewatches on the sort of VHS releases of uh, John Pertwee. So I kind of missed out. Tom Baker, um, and then sort of started collecting the, those stories and rewatching. And the Sunmaker is one that I do really do remember watching the first time. And there is an element of silliness, you know, like the end where he, they throw him off the roof and just, <laughs> <laughs> just like, <laughs> want to get ahead of ourselves. But I, I adore that. Um, I, I'm not sure. I must have read the novelization, but I don't recall it. But I, I was reading that Terence Dix 
the, the sainted Terence Dix of L, who I will hear no no bad. But he, did he rein the ending in a little bit and have people? In a bit there were, yeah, mm. there were, there's, there's a few things that I've read where they they actually said no, we can't do that, and yeah. let's change things. But it did just I don't know. We're skipping ahead, but that ending is just. Just it, it's, it's, I, think, I think it's fabulous, and I think they've earned it. I mean, Catherine Hyde is an absolute. As I think, what's the polite word? The word that I'm thinking of, Mark. Anyways, a cad. He's an. Thank you very much. Yes, he's an absolute cad, and really yes. has, has it coming. You know, and uh, it's a pretty good effect as well. It does look like a body. I think saying yes. enough, um, although it's quite funny the way it's done, mainly I think because of his indignant reaction to being picked up and everything. <laughs> yes, um, it's kind of like, put me down, put me down, don't you know who I am? But it's, 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 it's sort of call them all scum and say they should be on the roof. It's like a particularly bold strategy at that point. But, it but it, it's just—it's just this weird, you know. The, the story itself is 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 quite a staple for Doctor Who, which is sort of overthrowing, uh, you know, corrupt government or, or administration. Um, it, it reminds me a little bit of Happiness Patrol, where you're sort mm-hmm. of, you know, the Doctor goes in and immediately sets about. Um, changing everything, but you can't imagine at the end of the Happiness Patrol him throwing Helen A off the roof. No. <laughs> it's, it's just it's just a very strange. Yeah, uh, strange well, I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess cause, you know because because what's happening in uh, the Sunmakers is it, it, it's all happening because the Doctor's there and he's the catalyst yeah. of it. But you know, if you, if you follow Cordo, who's your you know your <laughs> you know, if you just watch it all through in just an hour and a half, the cordo you see at the beginning is completely different. Different from mm-hmm. the, the cordo you get at the end. And he, you know, he's he has he has transformed, and you know, he, he's he's become a, a sort of um, a character with agency. You know, and it, it, it's where where am I going with this? It's, it's about it's about the people. Um, yeah, and it's it's the people who throw Gatherer Hade off the roof and it, you know it's almost like the doctor has sort of stepped back at that point and is just waving his hat at them and saying right off you can get in your spaceships and go back to it i'm sure that'll be fairly straightforward yeah it just, just runs off doesn't he so, yeah. <laughs> yes go, go and find earth again plan um, is <laughs> a 300 million people onto the spaceship back to earth b question mark question mark question mark c happy ending <laughs> But you do have a sort of, it's a nice tie, though, to the beginning where the Doctor finds Cordo on the roof about to throw himself off, isn't he? He's in the very is. beginning. Um, yeah. It's these sort of um, grace notes that you get from Robert Holmes. And I think, you know, it's these sort of little almost invisible things that are mm. what, you know, it's like if you sort of ask basically any any fan of my vintage who's a good writer, they should Robert Holmes, mm-hmm. uh, and you say, well, you know, kind of why and all oh, good he did, you know, double acts and oh, it's like good writing and stuff like that. But there was all it's just a, a lot of craft, and it's like he couldn't not do it. Well, uh, you know, apart from when he didn't do it. Sort of counter examples occurring to me now, uh, Mark. When what was your what was your first experience then? with um, the Sunmakers. In, in the 90s, when the UK Gold repeats were on, 
Um, oh yeah. We didn't have Sky, um, but my auntie did, so I used to supply her with VHS tapes to record them. But I remember that this one, I was staying at my auntie's for some reason. So I got up on the Sunday morning to record the omnibus, and I watched it. Um, and it, like, I love this story, but it, it's one of those ones that is excruciating to watch with somebody else who isn't a Doctor Who fan, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and I just kind of really remember the uh, the, the reaction to uh, the collector. Um, and, uh, yeah, basically loads of comments about, like, he's a bit short-sighted, isn't he, and uh, stuff like that. Because uh, his uh, face is constantly two inches from the, uh, from the, the, the panel and the, and the papers, that kind of stuff. Um, mm. But, no, and I think, he, uh, I think you're right, John. It's one that you appreciate much more uh, when you're older, um, I think for, for all that it, it is silly and the, the the trappings of it, like they say, they they interrupt a suicide attempt right at the start, mm. which is mm. one of the darkest things probably ever in Doctor Who. And then all the way through, there's like brandings and steamings and um, and all that kind of stuff. A, a killer cash machine. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's a wonderful ending. It's just going to an ATM and then being gassed. Yes. <laughs> There's your cliffhanger. Much more difficult it, to lose your bank card on that planet as well, isn't it? So, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, because that was one of the things they had to rein in because originally it was very, very close to like a Barclay card or something and yeah. it, it was going to be branded almost. <laughs> it, it, and they, stu- it still is pretty close to pretty, the yeah, colours yeah. are pretty much there but they ended up sort of reining that back in because they said no you can't be as as, as direct as that but, so, well, um, yeah, just say if the Barclay card people give you any trouble we're just going to access we're going to straight <laughs> yeah. take it straight to the access card people <laughs> they'll be on board but it is it, I, I found that this story the more I watch it the more I see things. It's one of those, it's one of those stories where there's a lot of stuff that's, that was going on in the background with um, Robert Holmes. And, and there's, there's, there's so many layers to this story and it depends on who you listen to or what you believe. But there was one sort of story which said this was all uh, about the tax man because he'd, he'd had some issues with the tax man and it was, he was very angry about it. And then the other one was that he was—he thought this was his last story for the BBC. <laughs> Praise the company, um, and so he was kind of throwing two fingers up at the BBC <laughs> whilst he was writing it. And that this is exactly how you do it. I always thought the tax thing was a little broad. You know, they told me like. Mm. The inner retinue and corridor P forty five. That's it. The P forty five. Yes. This is the, this is the classical. Classic political thing, isn't it? If you don't want somebody to look at your satire of the BBC, what you do is, is a, a big look, hand wavy satire of tax. Yeah. <laughs> look at that! Don't, yeah. don't don't look at what I'm actually <laughs> doing. Look at this thing over here instead. Um, and I, I couldn't agree with you more, James. That there is a lot going on, and you know, you just just. Um, different perspectives at work in it you know if you can watch it through and it's um it's a funny silly doctor who thing where tom baker is and i i, I think i would almost argue peak tom here mm. he's, he's sort of written there's stuff that looks like maybe they ad-libbed it or you know sort of it developed at rehearsals or whatever but 
there's also this you know suicidal ideation all that stuff that is very bleak it's an incredibly bleak story about um humanity you know there's a, a line about you you know tell them they're human beings and human beings always have to fight for their freedom but this this like there's um i th- i think this is one of leela's best stories if not you know leela's actual best story there's just um she she gets two well there, there are two other strong women there's, there's veet and is it man mm. yeah uh, yeah they're just fantastically well done but leela is phenomenal in it she just she mm. just gets, she gets good lines and she delivers them really well and she's really funny there's the bit you know where where um Sorry, sorry. This this is starting to lose its structure, Mark. I'm sure we'll get back to your list of questions. Uh, the, the, the bit where um, uh, Cordo is, is right at the beginning, where Cordo's on the roof, and yes. the, the, the gatherer's coming. He says, "Run! It's the gatherer!" And off he goes. And Leela goes, "Run! It's the gatherer!" And then she gets <laughs> off, <laughs> and then runs. And she says to him later, when they're behind the door. Uh, no, he says to her, why did you why run? Why did you run? And yeah. she doesn't answer. She just says, well, he ran first. Why did you run? And the doctor says, I don't know. It's odd, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, that's that's really strong. That's a character that's very, very confident, you know, in, in, in her own existence. And talking about the fictional character there. But I think also, you know, you, you just get an actress in of Louise Jameson's car- caliber. And mm. that's she what, is brilliant. Yeah. She really is just just absolutely staggering, and just the, the the stuff she brings to it. She's got all that seven team stuff going on, you know. They'll tear his heart out, and I'll I'll fillet you, and I'll split you, and all that stuff. But she's also there's a bit where she's gently stroking canines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she has those tender moments, doesn't she? Does. she? Yeah, it really is just a, a really good performance. I mean, it's um. A lot of really good performances in this story, but you know, Louise Jameson was just brilliant throughout. I think so. Yeah, you know, you get some. Sorry, this is going back to those levels. So you know, there's there's all this different stuff you can pick out. Is it? It's. um, I watched the documentary, the sort of behind the scenes thing on the DVD as well, and Louise Jameson says that this is her favourite story. Um, you know, and that performance comes across, uh, comes across really, like you say, really strongly. But she also goes on to say that part of it was that her and Tom weren't getting on very well at that, that by this point, and so they had to write it so that she wasn't with him quite a bit at the time. Oh, yeah. So they wrote sort of like she went off, and and I think she benefits from that because, like you say, she has a much stronger uh, role. She gets to do, you know, when she's um, when she's with all the the sort of the, the people living underground, the, and the others, the yeah. others. That's it. Um, you know, they're challenging her. She, she, you know, she holds her own. There's a bit of fighting going on, and she says, "I'm going to go off and save the doctor who's with me." And everybody goes, "No, I'm not doing it." Love that. It's like a little Fellowship of the Rings thing, isn't it? Yeah. And, and Cordo, Cordo comes out and says, "I'll go." It's like, oh. But then he's he's her assistant from that point on. He, he is, yeah. And then they sort of meet up with K nine, and then they go off. Yeah. Well, the Doctor goes in a completely different direction. Well, they, they meet up with K nine, who is at the top of a ladder next to a cattle grid. <laughs> why, why couldn't you get past that? Yeah, oh, bless him, K nine. <laughs> 
interesting you say about Veet and Man being good characters because they were written as men, and it, I believe it was Pennant Roberts that that cast women um, because yeah, basically it was an all male cast from uh, from the way that Robert Holmes had written it. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was a, a sort of Pennant Roberts tick, wasn't it? It was, mm-hmm. a, it, was a, it was a thing he did. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's nice. I think I, I listened to the commentary. And Louise Jameson was at one point talking about, you know, that kind of wave of feminism that happened in the 70s. Um, and it, it, it's interesting, you know, it's, it's nice to see it. But there is, uh, and, and Veet and Mann are both spectacular characters. I think Veet is much more interesting than Mandrill and Mann is much more interesting than Gatherer Hayde. And partly that's the way the characters are written, but mostly it's the way the characters are performed. Um but there's still, there's like an, there's an, I gotta say, underlying, subtle, almost undetectable, but it's really fucking obvious strain of object, <laughs> objectifying Leela as well. There's an, a lot of, you know, shots kind of, <laughs> where the camera could have been slightly more politely placed. And, you know, the, there's, um, there's a bit where she's hung up on a wall. <laughs> yes. And suspended, I, isn't she? Yeah, it's a really she, odd angle. But hearing Louise Jameson talking about it, and, you, you know, you're, you're right, James, I've, I've heard her say this is her favourite story, mm. but she was saying, oh, yeah, there was that bit where they had me up on the wall and then they all went off for lunch, which wasn't very nice. And and she, she delivers it like, you know, ha, ha, funny story, but it's, it's like, do do I detect a certain sort of flinty resentment in, in the way that she's saying it? Because I'd be fucking furious if they did that to me. Just left you hanging. Just, mm. uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's had those stories you hear about the Dalek actors that um, left in their cases. <laughs> <left in their cases. laughs> yeah, well, uh, I was watching this, and um, uh, my wife was in the room, and at one point she did look up and sort of say, "Why is she in a leather bikini while the doctor's in a <laughs> full-on coat and scarf?" Like, <laughs> are they supposed and to be in the same climate or not? <laughs> I, I I don't think you know. Not not was it, it. Not only was it not hidden. I think it it was actually stated, wasn't it? So like, hey, it's only for the dads, you know. And, and this is the this is the era of pans people, and you know, is the seventies. Yeah, hooray! You know, uh, there was a lot of interesting, cool, good, inventive, provocative stuff going on in the seventies. I was a lot of it was pretty squalid too. Definitely, yeah. It's great that Louise Jameson brought so much more to it than that, though. I think she's uh, yeah, she was um, you know kind of very aware. I think of uh, of that, and and you then yeah. brought what she, what she could to the material, and uh, yeah, made such I mean, a character. I was going to say she's an amazing actress, and mm. the the scene where she's in the um, straight jacket, you know, she's really powerful when she's oh like, god, yes. Mm. Just, just absolutely furious. Yeah, yeah. She really still, stands her stands her ground, and, and it's a really, really good scene. Yeah, I, and yeah, no, absolutely. Still, still, sort of dominant. There's um, that that scene you were talking about earlier, James, where you know she's saying to the others, "Look, we have to go and rescue the doctor." She faces down each of the blokes. She just absolutely yeah. faces them down. It's phenomenal. Really good. Mm. Yeah, it's I, I think when she's with 
when she's with Tom, you know, those scenes where it's Doctor and Leela, she does fall straight back into that companion. Um, you know, he takes the lead. Um, whereas when she's on her own, she takes the, she naturally takes the lead. She, I think she's you yeah. know, quite a powerful mm-hmm. character on her own right. But when she's next to the Doctor, you don't see it as much because he's obviously, you know, especially Tom's Doctor, very powerful performance. Um, so it's good to have, I think it's good because they are separated and they, they're both working towards the same goal, if you like, uh, but in different ways. Yes, it's um, it's rather lovely the way he keeps, I think it's episode two and episode three, isn't it? Where it, it, it's sort of alternate rescues. You know, it's yes. like one of them gets captured and then, then is liberated whilst the other one is going to rescue them, who then gets captured and has to be rescued. And, <laughs> and so I actually really like that. It's another one of the, you know, that could be quite a, a boring bit of padding in mm clumsy hands I think that's the sort of stuff that Robert Holmes could balance really well yeah I feel like the world building here as well is, is fantastic you very quickly get a sense of exactly how that planet works um, even the yeah. little bit at the start about the wooden desk um, Mus- it just tells you, yeah. Yeah. Yes. it tells you so much about the characters and the world because uh, obviously we, we immediately learn there's no trees that the uh, that the company produce all the oxygen and everything. It's it's a funny, interesting uh-huh. scene and gives you loads of exposition without it being in any way clumsy. Like you say, it's uh, it's brilliant. It, it, I, I I think you're right, and you know the 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 complaints I had when I was twelve because Pluto is a tiny little rock that's very, very far away. Mm. Um, and that doesn't look like Pluto. But they do kind of address it in the program. You know, this, this, the talk, they talk about the engineers, you know, they moved all humanity out to Mars when Earth was closing down and then presumably didn't settle on uh, whatever comes between Mars and Pluto. Mars, Jupiter, Saturn and Uranus. Are they all gas giants, I think? So, you, you know, they're, they're not sort of planetary. But it's not beyond the... You know, you just imagine a huge engineering thing that's made Pluto into the size of a planet that can sustain six massive cities, mm. and they've they built these. Um, There's like nine suns or something, isn't there? The, the, it's, it's, it's six. It's, it's one for each of the metropolises. Now, this, this oh is, yes, yeah. You're this right. is a thing I I didn't really understand, and I I, I feel a bit dim. And you're, you're going to you can put me right on this. The idea is that. There's no darkness. That's so, it. Cor- there's no cor- night time. Yeah, so it's just daylight. You're constantly working activity. There's no, there's, you know, no downtime or anything like that. So th- that's why they have a sun for each megropolis. So that's the way I've understood it. But at the same time, the 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 lower orders of people aren't allowed to see the sun somehow I, I couldn't i couldn't quite reconcile those two things it's like the sunshine was a special thing that was reserved for gatherers and that's why you know they, they couldn't couldn't be there but and yet somehow they still had mm. yeah they, yeah yeah it's a good point actually because uh, my my take was was that it was the suns were there to make them work almost all day so there was no you know the body wasn't used to having a night time so there were you know they would just be more productive during the day and they they wanted to to force more out of them um but they do they do have that monopoly on the on that sunlight and uh, you know and you're right the others are not supposed to see it 
Yeah, that's what it is, isn't it? No, you, you're right. I think the, the sons are there to provide the energy to power each of the metropolises, um, and, they, and they do that all the time. So it doesn't, you know, it's not like they're, they're circling around the planet. It's like they're there all the time. And he has a little. It's a good line about that about the sidereal period being the same as the rotational period. I think something like that. But this, it's great. So yeah, you can do all that. But then there's. Um, now, when is it? There's, a, there's something... Gatherer Hade is up to something. I can't remember what it is he's doing wrong, but Marn sort of catches him on it. You know, it's like a thing, should you be doing this? And he says, well, you know, does the robber thinking about breaking a window? And you go, what's a fucking window, mate? <laughs> how, how do you know about burglars and windows? <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a, an odd character because he, he he's... His perception of what's going on changes with every new piece of information. It's just, <laughs> in, in, I don't know. I don't know what it is about about him. He just—it's almost like a fantasist. He's like, oh, you know, I know exactly what's going on. This is, you know, he—I think he thinks the doctor's selling weapons at one point, and then there's another theory, and then he's like, um, he says, you know, well, we, we won't go and catch him, and then he suddenly says, right, we're going to go and catch him. It's, it, and, and Man just stands there, almost rolling her eyes every time. He's <laughs> giving these expressions like, oh my like God, the, why are you in control? Is that um, Brannigan and Kiff relationship? <laughs> <laughs> or is it Johnson-Dominic Cummings relationship? <laughs> Something like that. It's, um, yeah, it, it is tremendous. I mean, it, I guess that potentially this is why he is the gatherer. Because he is really just monumentally stupid. And yes. Things, when they are presented to him, just come as a complete shock. There's the bit where, um, you know, the, 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 the doctor has been identified as the troublemaker and uh, the collector says, so yes, we'll, we'll, we'll post a, a reward of 5,000 Talmars mm-hmm. and Gatherer says, oh yes, very, very generous. It says, yes, to be paid out, out of your allowance. At which point, you know, Hayde's face drops and all his efforts then go into being the one who apprehends him. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's beautifully done. And there, there is you, you, that shift of um, that shift of power away from Gatherer Hayde is beautiful. There's a bit towards the end where the collector just says, you know, I have noted your work rate or something. And you know you know, that he's just out, out of favour now. He's never going to amount to anything. Whereas Marne, uh is, is clearly made of more sensible stuff. And that, you know, the bit right at the end where the, the revolutionary people all pile up to her and she's got her gun and she just hands them the gun over and says, I joined the revolution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then she, she has this look on her face. You know that she, she's not genuine. She just, she's just saving herself. The, yeah. and she gives this almost a sly look to the camera to say, it's, mm-hmm. it's like uh-huh. a, Little serverland moment or something, isn't it? Mm. The, who was it who played Marn? She is brilliant. Uh, Janina Scott. Yeah, you say Janina, I say Janina. Um, <laughs> I've never heard of her. Uh, she, uh, I've never seen her in anything else. I'm not aware of the rest of her work. But I think she was just fantastic in it. I think the, the the stuff about the collector saying to the gatherer about his, his work rate and his quota as well. There's um, there's a scene I think that was filmed but then was cut out, um, and it it made more sense of um, um, Condor's father as well, um, mm. where they Leela and um, I think maybe um, somebody else 
they they see a queue of people who are um, lining up to go through a door, uh, and he explains to her that these are people who are now too old to meet their quotas um, and are going to be euthanized, and that's what all that kind of uh, golden death stuff's about. God, uh, that would have made it even darker. It would have done, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, all the, the clues to that are kind of there anyway, mm-hmm. aren't they? It's like when they're totting up, um, you know, Cordo's dad's value. Only yeah. had seven Talmars, but he weighed in at 84 kilos when he died, so that's eight Talmars for, you know, presumably yeah. what they can, you know, render his body down to. It's, it's really bleak stuff there. Yeah. You know, and it is it's very, um, it's very prescient about, you know, sort of how capitalism has developed to the point where, you know, your value, one's value to society is not, you know, kind of um, and anything more subtle than how much money you're worth. I don't think that that would have been a, like a prevalent concept at the time, because, you know, we're coming out of the 60s by that stage, but only eight years out of the 1960s and into a like a really quite hard left Labour government. Um, so, you know, the, 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 all of that sort of Thatcherism stuff is on the horizon, but it's not happened yet. Uh, but I, I, I think Robert Holmes saw it coming and, and, you know, just sort of articulated it really well there. Is it, isn't there, um, again, I've got this in the commentary, they were talking about, um, there was some a, a resemblance to uh, Dennis Healy in the eyebrows. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> the, yeah. Uh, the collector. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, these were the you know what, what what turned into the sort of competing orthodoxies, weren't they? Was that you you had these kind of the old school left people. So Cal, James Callaghan was prime minister, and Healy was the chancellor of the exchequer. I think in, inflation was absolutely insane, and mm. Healy's solution, I'm going to say one that I don't entirely disagree with, was to tax the rich, because the rich That's people right. wanted to have the money. Yeah. Now, what he did rather gracelessly was talk about squeezing them until the pips squeaked, which turns it into more of a sort of an emotional and personal argument rather than a financial one. But yeah, you know, you had that on the one hand, and on the other hand, you had people you know, say, well, my money is my money. I have earned it from the sweat of my brow. Uh, you know, how, how does the state get it? And then you get into that sort of atomized society where everybody doesn't, you know, the, like Margaret Thatcher talking about there being no society, there being individuals that make up society. Um, and that, you know, that, that that's kind of what you had. So, yeah, the, the Dennis Healy, who I think the time has been possibly slightly kinder to than... Um, than he might have expected. But yeah, you know, he had a comical appearance and that was the first thing you would glom onto, like Boris Johnson's hair. Yeah. You know, you would look at Healy and go, ha, funny eyebrows, because they were, <laughs> they were yeah. out of control. He had, they were proper uh, uh, quarantine eyebrows, those were. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, and that, that's very strongly reflected in uh, the collector's Oh, is it? No, yeah. wait, no. Is it the collector or is it Gather a Hay that we're talking about now? It's the collector. Yeah. Which is weird. The, the collector is just a like an uber kind of Thatcherite, really, isn't it? Yeah. Is it, is it, this is what I mean. There's so many sort of layers when you start watching it and watching it and, watch, you know, rewatch it um, that you, you don't pick up on straight away. But, um, yeah, the... the 
because he's like you say because he's gatherer hate who's really the one that's squeezing them until you know the pips come out because that first scene where he's talking about is, is um cordo's father's funeral and, and the, mo- the amount of money he's got to pay which he doesn't have so he just says well you'll have to work 22 yeah. hours a day yeah you know um oh, but yeah. then you've got the collector who is the one that's siphoning off all that money and i, th- I think you know again with, with robert holmes that might have been him saying well this is that like that massive tax that he put on the rich people he's <laughs> yeah. just sat there you know siphoning that off yeah. um, letting everybody else do the dirty work and just say right well i'm gonna tax you all i think it was something was it like 80 percent he taxed i think it might even have been higher than that you yeah. know it, it, this is the point where the you know the the kind of rich people of the day would do decamping for um, uh, le- less less demanding parts of the world. Um, uh, Roger Moore and everyone moving to Switzerland, didn't you? And um, uh, yes, uh, Michael Caine and people like that. I think was it? Yep, Rod Stewart disappeared to mm. Los Angeles, I believe. Mm. It's, uh, yeah, there's, there's, so there's a lot of political stuff, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. So is this, still, is this still the introduction, Mark? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what form is this podcast going to take when, when we start? <laughs> this is chapter one, <laughs> political. <laughs> well, the, um, the other thing made me, me think of when it's talking about the PCM gas being pumped into the corridors to, um, to keep the people in a constant state of anxiety. Um, probably since um, the last time I watched this story, um, John, you pointed me towards hypernormalization, the Adam Curtis oh, film. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Which <laughs> that's, is, that's a, that's like four hours of your time you, you, know, you could have spent more cheerfully. It's absolutely brilliant, but in equal parts terrifying and brilliant. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that whole idea in that, that the, um, the media and the state are trying to keep people in a constant state of anxiety – um, it re- that really resonated, I think. Um, you know, looking at watching it now, um, as well as the fact that things like you know personal debts never been at a higher rate than it is now, and that's kind of what's in, in the story is keeping people like Cordor trapped in the system, isn't it? So it's, uh... Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's a brilliant form of subjugation if you can get you know people to to get into it, and apparently you can do that quite easily. There's a the, the, that's a sorry this is slightly off a tangent but you just reminded me this is another sort of brilliant leela moment is when she's she, she starts breathing in the pcm says i don't mm. i don't feel right mm. um you know i feel weird and, and it's explained to her about the pcm and she says so it's just the gas that i'm breathing that makes me feel that way and they go yeah she goes oh, okay and <laughs> kind of shrugs it that off was, um, that was k9 wasn't it k9 That's said i right. measured the air yeah, yeah. And, and she goes so there's nothing to fear then yes and you she, just, yeah, like you say she just carries on yes <laughs> mind over matter isn't it uh-huh yeah. she is a person who could sex successfully fight off coronavirus yeah <laughs> Because uh, that moment we talked about earlier on about when the doctor says, "Why did you run?" It's the same sort of same sort of thing, isn't it? It's, they don't know why they're running, but it's actually the yeah. it's, that, it's that influence of, of what's yeah. happening around them. Of course, it is. Yeah, yeah good point. I, that had that had escaped me. Well, I guess that's another reason they don't want people going on the roof as well, isn't it? Not only to sort of uh, so that they can't enjoy the sunshine, but the fresh air would. 
maybe dissipate the uh, the concentration the, that, of the gas a little the suppression. Bit yeah, because mm. yeah, when um, when the doctor gets captured on the you know the first time and he's in the straitjacket and he's uh, talking to the the guy next door to him, Mandrill. Mandrill, he's so relaxed, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, is, isn't that isn't that Bisham? Uh, uh, so you're right it is uh, yeah you're right yeah, yes. yeah. and he's just like so relaxed yeah we're going to have our brains wiped <laughs> <laughs> so the bit where they're putting the, the, the helmet apparatus on him and he says yeah. don't, don't leave it in too long it goes frizzy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah I mean, uh, Which, that's right his first act is to you know sort of when, when he works out what's going on realises he has to sabotage the machine and he sort of hops up off the bed <laughs> in his straight jacket and Bisham says what are you doing he says oh, I'm just going for a little hop yeah, yeah. <laughs> fancied a bit of a hop and he manages to somehow break the computer just you know with just like suddenly you see him this, with this component in his mouth and then he, and then you know the whole thing blows up Yes, yeah, so there, there is quite a lot of hand wavy stuff throughout, which, which I, and it turns out I'm prepared to forgive, forgive, because it's it's just so purely enjoyable. But Mark, you, you you're a financial person. Um, if you feed two uh, percent growth tax index linked into a computer, does that blow an economy? And if so, can you explain how? I... <laughs> Chapter two. No. <laughs> It's not something I've first-hand experience. It, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense on the on the face of it, does it? <laughs> I do, this is just the financial so, equivalent of reversing yeah. the polarity of the neutron flow. Yeah, or, or calculating uh, pi on the chessboard, I think. very yeah. bit at the end in the TARDIS where Lila says, did you do something clever? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was all I did, something clever. You know, you get the point. <laughs> I did uh, talk about um, Bisham. He's a brilliantly sort of nonchalant character, isn't he? Um, he's in, <laughs> like sp- Space Harry. Yeah, he's, he's in the collection like, centre. Which, which sli- is sli- sli- slightly gormless, but quite likeable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they've established that the correction centre kills people and they, they talk about the, the, the guy that previously tried to commit fraud or something like that and lasted a record amount of time in there and things but he's quite relaxed about it all isn't he just just sort of tells the doctor what's going on and then just goes along with the revolution and everything he's uh, a <laughs> brilliant yeah. presence in the story but that's it going back to what you're saying earlier on about the characters that change he is a bit of a wet lettuce um, but then suddenly he's on the back of a that jeep thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. <laughs> so it suddenly turned into a commando although he's yeah. not really but I, I wonder is is it fair to say he's a wet lettuce because he even when you know saying why why are you here when he wakes up in the correction thing he's like, oh, yeah. I was just curious and so yeah <laughs> Explains, you know, kind of what his job was and what he got curious about and how he invest- investigated it and what he found. And you go, well, that's not that, that's not wet lettuce behaviour. I think, mm. you know, he's, he's got, I think he may be one of those people who gets through life by being quite smiley and nice and everybody likes them, but actually is an opposite of an right. operator. <laughs> okay, I didn't really think of him like that, but I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. It's another nice bit of world building and exposition, isn't it? Um, explaining mm. how the the big wigs take the pills that make them immune, um, yeah. and uh, you know, just describes another bit of the world that they can't show you that um, there'll be somewhere that he worked. Yeah, 
very deft again again that's that back to that dark theme of control mm. you know the, the people in power are okay they they're free they don't they don't suffer from the uh, the effects of the the gas and stuff but however everybody else does yeah there's that that, that is absolutely spot on but there's a like there's like um they take it a step further which is what i've sort of often wondered about um you know situations where you have in in fictional narrative rather than in real life where you have super villains or you know baddies or people like the collector who are just amassing all this stuff or who are going to take over the world and you go well why you know what, what, what why is that satisfying to you why would you do that why do you want that amount of money why do you want control of the world you, you know that's the bit that is often left unexamined the doctor kind of gets into it you know when they're, they're sort of talking about the overthrow of the company he says what is the company and they sort of try and explain it in terms mm-hmm. of profits and things like yeah but what what does it do and you know, kind of, where does the money go? And and it, you know, it's only when you, you finally get to that that sort of realization that the collector is it's not a human, um, mm. doesn't have human motivations. You know, that that's um, I, f- I find that quite interesting. I think I think often you know, sort of motivations are uh, of villains aren't really examined much further than yeah, they, they just want all the power and all the money. Mm. Uh, but I do I do love that bit at the end where you realise that he isn't human. That he is just, you know, this green sort of seaweedy blob. Poisonous. Suddenly, poisonous fungus or something. Yeah, that suddenly just gets sucked back into the chair. You know, just sort of dissolves into the chair. And he puts a stopper in it. It's like there you go. Leela says, "Is he still in there?" She says, "Yep." <laughs> so they can make a liquidation joke, isn't it? As well, That's the whole, uh, yeah. whole reason behind it. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I thought, I thought, I mean, like that, that's an ending that I, I remember, you know, as this sniffy 12-year-old just going, well, that is stupid. And <laughs> as a 55-year-old man, I was going, oh, that's brilliant. You know, it's really good. <laughs> I felt like the performance was probably quite informed by uh, Donald Pleasance's Blofeld. Oh, yeah, it was, it was okay. A, uh, yeah. It felt like it was more than a, uh, more than a hint of that in, um, in this one. I don't, I don't know Henry Wolf. I think, you know, he seemed to have been uh, working quite a lot at the time and then mm-hmm. retired off to Canada or something with his wife. Is it still with us, as far as I can tell? He, he is, I yeah, 90 I, years I old. Yeah, but I looked up his, um, looking him up on IMDB, yeah. uh, which is that's what you, it's the, the international mo- movie the dead blokes exit is not dead and you know it's so not many credits uh, but he said like he's in Superman 3 so I thought oh I've seen Superman 3 who did he play in Superman 3 and it just says Penguin Man yeah <laughs> like, what? It, he was in uh, the Rocky Horror Show and he's credited as the Transylvanian number 18 <laughs> <laughs> so it must be the dance sequence you know the one with Christopher Biggins when they yeah. did the time war it's and Kusark <laughs> apparently as well. Uh, yeah, I, I presume Penguin Man in Superman Three is part of that sort of very long, complicated opening, escalating chaos thing. Mm. I, I don't know. It's a long time. I don't, I don't recall it, but yeah, uh, his furlough would have to be quite a lot longer before I get around to watching Superman Three again. <laughs> 
But he was um, he, he um, persuaded Pinter to write his first play. So he, he broadly. Mm. But he's um, he's so committed in this. It's like there's no yeah. sense of him sending it up or anything. He's just been given the thing to do. I don't know to what extent he would have talked it over with you know Robert Holmes or Pennant Roberts about you know kind of what what, what the collector is. But he just gives it hundred percent. That's absolutely absolutely full on. It's really really powerful. Yeah. And the little bit, hey, it was um, wasn't in the script. He came up with himself. Is the bit when the, he's really close to the doctor and reaches out and touches his hair. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I just now you've just said that. Yes. Uh, so the, the kind of a, another really like nice kind of character beat. Um, yeah. it, it, I don't know because I don't know whether you could class him as as really sort of intrinsically evil. It's it's just. Doing what he, you know, what he, I don't know. It, it, when you talk about Super, you were talking about Donald Pleasance and um, it's Blofeld. Is 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 he in that category of evil super villain, or is he just more obsessed with wealth and 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 taking stuff from the, from the planet? Well, he does take. Um, there's the whole thing about the, the the place where they steam the victims being under the palace because he likes to hear the mm. um, the screams of the victims. Oh and yeah! Um, oh yeah! He's very excited yeah. about the. Um, the I his duo duo decaphonic speakers. Yeah. Oh yeah, because yeah, because now you say that he he does bemoan that people don't go to public steaming anymore. He's like, oh, you know, no. you've got to be here. So yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. They all they all stay at home with their live steaming services. Yeah. <laughs> 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 very good thank you very much I, I actually wrote that down like, <laughs> like, do you want to know the, do you want to know the other thing I wrote down it's when, it's when Mandrell's waving the um, the red hot poker at Doctor Who and they do that counting thing where he goes ten to make it nine <laughs> making it go faster and I thought Mandrell is very much the brand manager here <laughs> and I had, I had a little chuckle to myself and I wrote it down and now I regret that <laughs> uh, very good um, but yeah could, like steaming just seems like a particularly unpleasant like I can't think of, Wait. of, uh, of, of that being in anything else I've ever even seen let alone in Doctor Who like yeah, steaming no. people to death is I know, and it, it's not even—it's not even a thing they do specially. It's just like a, it's a byproduct, isn't it? It's like the steam's going there anyway, so mm. might as well use it for entertainingly killing somebody. And I guess that's another way that it's a bit like the Happiness Patrol because that's just kind of the, the stuff that the Candyman has anyway, isn't it? The um, the whatever the glue the, is, that, yeah, yeah, the molten um, sugar, yeah. Mm. Grim. Now I have some quibbles. Is it time for a small amount of quibbles? Go for it. They're tiny. They're really, they're really pedantic, right? And I think there are three of them. Um, the first one of which is one-dimensional chess. One-dimensional chess. <laughs> oh, at the beginning. Yes. 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 It's not. You can't have one. Well, I suppose you could have one-dimensional chess. I don't really know how it would work. <laughs> um, <laughs> two pawns bumping into each other and that would be the end of that game right that's quibble number one quibble number two how high is this building it's a thousand meters all right thousand meters they're on the metric system how how heavy was 
Con, 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 what's he called? Condo. Cordo's down. Cordo, yeah. 84 yeah. kilos. Right, good metric. They've got that consistent metric. I understand that. That's the system they've taken. And then there's the bit where uh, Mandrell is talking about skinning doctrine. He says, I'm going to take your skin off an inch at a time. You go, what? What, you mean two point, <laughs> two point something centimetres at a time, Mr. Mandrell? If you, if you want a bit. And the, um, my third and final quibble, and I think this was probably dealt with at the time, and there are, there are in universe explanations for this, is that that's not a jelly baby. That's a licorice all sort. Yes. On the roof. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, yes. That's, uh, yeah. that's true. Yeah. So, you know, basically that was the point at which my willing suspension of disbelief yeah. was betrayed. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, uh, that's ruined yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, the chess scene, I loved a bit at the very, very end of the episode where the doctor deliberately sort of like jolts the TARDIS to, to wreck yeah. the chess game so he doesn't have to lose. Yeah. <laughs> the, the doctor is ever so slightly a little bit of a dick yeah. from <laughs> time in this story. <laughs> it's just like, whoops, you know, we, we, we've gone and uh, found a distraction and gone and yeah. saved a civilization, and I'm not going to lose this chess match. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, it happens a couple of times early on. It's like, you know, when Leela's trying to attract his attention to the rotor having stopping stopping. yeah yeah. I did tell you she didn't know the big argument it's like that's weird and then almost immediately they go outside and he's looking through his telescope and Leela spots the thing that actually needs spotting which is uh, Cordo about to throw himself off the roof and he's trying to attract the doctor's attention all he can say is don't joggle (laughs) yes She's looking. looking yeah. I think it's the was it the reef of the BBC studios or one of one. Of, I think it was um, some building in London that they filmed filmed it on. It's just, yeah, that's that's right because they, they were saying that what they thought because it was like such a tall building in the story. They were about to find the tallest building we can find, and they mm-hmm. went up to very tall and realised that's terrible because all you can see is like the surrounding city. So I think they went they went and just found it like a small building somewhere probably it was yeah. uh, a tobacco factory in um, in the west country um, Fact, what, oh was it yeah what oh, did, there, what did there is some Sorry, quality go. location tunnel work going on in this that was um, that was Camden Town tubes uh, underground because ah. some of it looks a bit like what the uh, Jubilee line looks like now when you sort of Walking along, it's that sort of grey pattern on the wall, but it was um, Camden because I was I was convinced it was an underground <laughs> that they were yeah. they were doing some of those scenes in, and it was, yeah, yeah, that's, that's there, what it was. There definitely is some location shooting at the tobacco factory because they they make mm-hmm. a big song and dance about it in the um, the commentary, I think. Yeah. But so that that does um we, we sort of glossed over it, but that that golf buggy sequence, which is just mm-hmm. I, I adore it, but again, you can only imagine somebody who is not particularly receptive to Doctor Who would look at it and go, yep, that's what I've always thought Doctor Who yeah. is like. <laughs> a corridor that is one mile long with a golf buggy that you can clearly get away from by walking briskly. <laughs> just sort of drives towards you. And I, I got um, there's a beautiful bit in one of the Austin Powers films where he's trying to reverse. Where he's trying to reverse it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and just trying to do a three-point turn just ends up wedged between the two balls. And I, I was thinking, you, know, you, you could not turn that buggy around particularly easily. 
And I know, I know we've made some comparisons with um, uh, Happiness Patrol, but the little buggy in Happiness Patrol, which goes about, you know, one mile an hour, it's like they're escaping in it. It's like yeah. you, can, you can walk up to the and, and touch them on the shoulders as they were driving away. But yeah, it's a, it's a bit kind of like pointless. Um, do they do one in Vengeance on Varos as well? Something I think there's is there something like that in that story as well? There is. There is. Yes. Very much. So every few years they think, yeah, we should have a we should have a, a buggy and then uh, they, they realise that they yeah, they can't do anything that goes faster than walking pace. Yeah. <laughs> it goes at two miles an hour. <laughs> they race off into the distance. <laughs> It's just it's that it's that combined with the spectacular length of the corridor. There's there's, mm-hmm. there's a, a cut in it. It's like I would it, I would have taken it like there's a scene in Lawrence of Arabia, um, you know, where Omar Sharif's character first appears, it's like a dot on the horizon and in real time kind of rides towards yeah. you and there's shimmering it's, I would have had exactly that, just like a five minute take of the golf buggy <laughs> slowly going every once in a while cutting to Leela and um, I think who's with her at the time is Bishop and uh, Cordo, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, three of them. So oh. just, just be, I, I didn't quite like the way Leela got saddled with the putting it into reverse joke. Mm, Was that a yeah. little, a, like a rather cheap women drivers thing? Yeah, and in the commentary that I've seen, she does make a point about that. She yeah. says that. In between takes, she was the one that was having to move the buggy up and you know reset it because <laughs> the two blokes couldn't do it. Yeah, and then they made her do a uh, women driver joke. So mm. I don't think she was too impressed. No, no, no. I know and it, it sort of it, it jars a bit. Um, I think because she's mm. I, you know you can make the argument she's not. Um, Techno- technologically sophisticated, but mm. she, it, she kind of is. You know, she, she is in her, in her own way. Oh, there's another quizzle, right? How, she refers to somebody as a gorilla. How does she know what a gorilla is? Is there a, a, a big Finnish missing adventure that I haven't heard where Tom Baker and Leela encounter a gorilla? <laughs> there's probably a two-hour two special. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which explains all of that. Oh... <laughs> It's the TARDIS translation circuit, I think. Yeah, that's a a reasonable explanation for almost everything, yeah. The the scene I really like is the, uh, where the doctor hypnotises the guard. um, (laughs) Which, it's something like, the doctor does this more often than you think. It's not something you you immediately think of with him, but uh, maybe I've just kind of hit a run of stories I've watched recently because the seventh doctor does it quite often as well um, yeah the seven doctor does it to the guards in Buckingham Palace in Silver Nemesis uh, yes. in the deleted where he puts scene, on the little glasses yeah. and, he, and he says you will you will stay here you will stay here yeah. and then um, but that was on the VHS we will run it's on the VHS but it's not on the version on the DVD it's always quite uh, jarring oh, when we watch it again oh. now because there's all these bits missing that um, I was really familiar with from the VHS but yeah in Battlefield the um the archaeologist and the uh, the pub landlord, um, he hypnotises him to, yes. to, to leave, and uh, uh, and then he does something in survival with the um, the, uh, the the army guy, doesn't he? The, the, the oh yes, yeah, he does, yeah, uh, yeah. But then uh, trying, to, he says one finger can be a deadly weapon, and then sort of hypnotises him and touches him on the uh, forehead, doesn't he? Yeah, 
but a really lovely thing. So you won't wake up until I tell you to. And then I couldn't really remember it. And I was thinking, does he ever go back to this guy? But of course, it's like a <laughs> uh, really neat little Robert Holmes thing, isn't it? That um, as part of the argument with the collector, he goes, wake up. Um, I thought, yeah, just uh, a really I nicely think, worked out little. I think the, the, the beautiful aspect of that scene is, and uh, you don't notice it and, until Tom Baker goes off and Leela doesn't follow him and she's just standing yeah. there having been hypnotised <laughs> as well. So he has to go and co- cover her ears yeah. and shout, <laughs> cover the guard's ears and shout to Leela, wake up. Yeah. <laughs> it is really funny. There's. Um, mm. I just, I don't know why that reminded me of it, but the very early bit where um, the Doctor and Leela have been <laughs> captured by the others, or the Doctor says, well, we didn't capture we just allowed you to escort us. But, they're, 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 you know, the others are having this discussion, saying, well, the Doctor looks like an Ajax. And the Doctor says to Leela, is he insulting me? And she says, what, with a face like his? He didn't dare. <laughs> A, and when he's on the floor and he says, oh, I think we're going to get along really well. It's just it's that sort of sarcasm yeah. when, he's being, when he's being threatened. <laughs> it reminds me of the line um, about the butler. What a wonderfully violent oh, yeah. butler you have. <laughs> it's, just, it's just that kind of Tom Baker sort of, uh, you know, put down <laughs> in a way. It's so wonderfully deadpan. <laughs> Even the bit that tickled me a little bit this time was when he meets them and he says, are you the others? Because they wouldn't refer to themselves as the others, would they? It would only be something that the, uh, uh, it would only be something that the, the people still living in the city would call them. <laughs> Very true. This, uh, I say, it's, it's the music that's being released um, on CD. Mm. When I totally misunderstood the announcement, I thought they were releasing the audio of the episodes. Um, yes, I, I, I wondered if you'd misunderstood it that way. Yeah, because uh, I thought like they did with Destiny of the Daleks and the Web Planet and other stories that, that fully exist that you can watch. So yeah. um, there was a really good deal where you could buy both the vinyls for cheaper than buying one of them. And I've done that. Yeah, well, I found <laughs> after it. After I saw it, I yeah. tweeted about it because I thought, oh, that's a really good deal for if anybody wants it. And, then, and now the deal's gone, and I've realized that what you're actually buying is the music from it. Um, but now I'd be begrudged paying full price for it because I missed out on such a good deal. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I was kicking it myself. Is, it, it, I, I think, I mean, I, I don't know because it it's incidental music, so I didn't really pay a colossal amount of attention. But it's Dudley fucking Simpson, dude. Yeah. It is. I yeah. love Dudley Simpson. And it's like, you know, Dudley Simpson, who I, I sometimes, you know, there's, there's a sort of a slight sameness to some of it. It's like, you know, there's that sort of two two horns and a two horns and an organ. <laughs> Dudley two horns and an organ Simpson. On this other podcast that I, that I sometimes do. Um, but that's, that's massively selling him short. I mean, he did the theme tunes for... Uh, well, Moonbase Three, which is pretty good. They did the Tomorrow People and Blake Seven, and that—that's two iconic TV themes right there. Um, and that, that, that just the Dudley Simpson style is instantly evocative of this mm. Doctor Who. 
Although, although Dudley Simpson is a bit of a sore point at the moment because um, <laughs> quiz of, quiz of wrestle on at the is weekend. It, it, oh, I was, was going to say, had he done something and been cancelled? But he's... no, no, he, it was a, there was a roundabout Dudley Simpson. Okay. Um, and there's a guy called Jess Jakovic that, that that is playing. He's um, sort of like redone some of Dudley Simpson's stuff, and uh, he did a live round where he played. Um, on a keyboard to Dudley Simpson tracks and you had to guess which story it was and I don't think we got a single one right <laughs> well <laughs> right, that, that would boil down to City of Death and all the others <laughs> <laughs> we were like I'm sure it's this one <laughs> there was a, one of the we were convinced was the, was the three doctors or something <laughs> like, all of us were like yeah we've heard this hundreds of times <laughs> no <laughs> oh, no <laughs> it was shockingly it was another it was um, Genesis of the Daleks, which we'd all watch hundreds of times. <laughs> there's um, there's a, a lovely little documentary which appears to be part two. Uh, I'm not quite sure, quite sure where part one is. I'll find it on a DVD somewhere. And, and Dudley Simpson being interviewed, I, I guess quite recently. Um, but he, he died. Was it last year? Year before, maybe. He died, died within fairly recent. Yes, yeah, not that long ago. Yeah. No, but he clearly sort of you know getting on a bit in this interview. But he just seemed absolutely delightful. Just like, and, and was able to talk through his process in a way that made it sound, you know, more complicated than I've really ever given it credit for. Mm. He did so many stories, didn't he? When we went back and when we were studying for this quiz, <laughs> we went back and had a look at it, and there were so many that he did. Mm. Um, right up to, obviously, Tom's era, and then it was... Sorry, we don't need you anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's very sad. It, it was, I mean, but that's just change, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I, I, to be honest, I quite liked that. Um, I don't, I love season 18, actually. And, uh, you know, and I, I remember the, the shock of it, uh, of the leisure hype starting, just going, this is completely different from, from what I was watching before. And then just being just absolutely captivated by it and you know just absolutely loving that approach and the, the look and the sound and the color of it all and yeah you know so it was it was a shame but yeah nothing lasts forever yeah and it has to you know it's a doctor who has survived so long because it keeps reinventing itself so absolutely so are you looking forward to your your vinyl so you have ordered it mark that's that's what i'm getting here uh, no, I haven't. No. Um, oh, yeah. right. <laughs> See, I did. I thought you'd ordered it, Mark. So I was like, right, that's a really good deal. I'll, I'll pile in on that as well. It was a great deal. Um, and, uh, yeah, but I thought well, I've got uh, I've got these on DVD. I thought they were just the. Um, I thought they'd done another Destiny of the Daleks on us, um, but um, no, they haven't. Oh, Mark, is this another one of your decisions that we're now yeah. all going to suffer for for years and years? <laughs> another pressing of it in four years time you can do a, a nice little video for Twitter James there have been several years where Mark has not owned that first Tom Baker Doctor Who Blu-ray box set and honestly oh. I've been more upset about it than he has <laughs> he's been quite upset about it <laughs> I just uh, double check it it was in a it was a double uh Double deal with the visitation. Yes, I'm yeah. assuming that's the soundtrack as well. It is. Yeah, they're, they're both the music, and um, it was the uh, website called the Sound of Vinyl. 
Um, That's right. Yeah. You, I get the newsletter from every day, and they tell you all the good deals. And you, I don't. Do you think it was a mistake? Um, I wondered if it was a pricing error because it was like it was both of them for cheaper. It was cheaper to buy two than one, which wasn't it? I think which is unusual. Yeah, <laughs> to say the least. That's why I jumped on it. I was like, yeah. this is really, you know, because normally, I mean, the other thing is that Dr. Who Vinyl at the moment, it, it's normally limited release. Mm. It, and in a supermarket, I can't get to on a Friday morning. So you kind of like, you know, uh, unless you're, you're savvy and you shop around, it's quite difficult. And when you showed that, when you uh, posted it on Twitter, I was like, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to have, you know, order that. Mm. I'm sure I will love them nonetheless. Sometimes it's lovely just to have a thing. And mm. I don't I don't really know how old you are, James, but it, it turns out I spent several days of this um, furlough period just sorting all my stuff out, uh, you know, just sort of dragging out piles of DVDs and Blu-rays and things and just sorting them into an, an order. And it's just, it's lovely. You know, when you, you find a thing and go, I, I don't think I've touched this for 12 years. And here, yes. <laughs> forgotten I owned it and here it is. It's, um, it's a pleasure. So, yeah, you know, I, 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 th- I think you've purchased wisely. Mm. I, think, I think Mark has been silly and Mark should have bought it. <laughs> and, I, and I'm upset. I'm only upset because I'm slightly anxious about not being able to get the, the new Blu-rays when they come out. The season 14. I think, yeah. And it looks like they're going to be on time this time as well, doesn't it? I think uh, I've seen on Oh, Twitter. don't don't jinx no. it, Mark. No. So it's normally when the email pops up tomorrow. So. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. I've seen people on Twitter that have had the email notifications that it's been dispatched um, and they've, uh, they've started really? debiting bank accounts and things. So uh, it's, it's the, uh, the omens are good, I think. Yeah. Uh, which retailer is this? Is this the big evil retailer? Um, I don't know. I think the people that had, had the uh, the cost of the the set deducted was was um, people who bought it from Zoom, which I ordered oh, from yeah. Zoom, but yeah. I, I used PayPal this That's time, uh, where you just pay for it immediately. So even if you're ordering it two months out, they um, they take the money straight away if it's PayPal. Yeah, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah. So I have no I have no way of knowing until I get the. Uh, no, well, I, I, for the last uh, couple of releases, I've, it turns out that when I go into, well, this is the olden days of when there were shops. When I go into HMB, they just say, oh, hello, now, and if there's a new Doctor Who thing, they say, there's a new Doctor Who thing, we've put one to one side for you. Um, so I actually had t- two copies of season 26 set aside because I'd ordered one and they'd seen it come in and put one to one side for me anyway. So that's been my thing now. You know, I was just like, okay, I'll support the high street. I'll, I will order it in my local HMV, go in and pick it up on day of release. Of course, didn't realize there was going to be a global pandemic and the whole of retail would shut down. So mm-hmm. I flew into a big panic, went and had a look at the evil retailer. And of course, they weren't taking any more orders because they're sold out. Uh, Zoom didn't have it. What's the other one that isn't Zoom? Oh, I can't remember. They didn't have have it either. But HMV website seemed to be taking orders quite merrily. So I've got my got my order with them. But you know, will it turn up? Who knows? And will it have the right um, doctor on the discs? (laughs) Yes, some people got the wrong one, didn't they? Yeah, I did. did, Some uh, people. Uh. (laughs) Season twelve of mine has got um, John Pertwee on each disc. Yeah. John, the, John Pertwee, picture of John Pertwee, but Tom, Tom Baker content. That's correct, yes. 
Right. See, that's unique. That could be worth something. Yeah. Could be. Because uh, um, that one I did order off Amazon and they, they gave me a refund and let, let me keep the discs because they couldn't... Um, because they couldn't do anything about it, basically. First of all, they said, mm. I'll give you a refund, and you can reorder it. And I said, I can't reorder it. I know where it's going. <laughs> where, where am I going? Tell me somewhere I can reorder it from, and I will reorder it. Um, and then, in the end, um, I made such a fuss that he said, you can keep the discs. It's <laughs> extraordinary. I, I feel like I'm in a safe space here, and it's not just me. Because I, I am aware of how ridiculous I am with everything that is going on, you know, just personally, domestically, professionally, globally, politically, all that stuff that's happening there. And what is consuming most of my anguish at the moment is whether or not I will get these Tom Baker Blu-rays. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like almost heroic displacement activity. <laughs> oh That's good. Fingers crossed. It'll be it'll be Monday if they do arrive. Um, yeah, I haven't got my hopes up. We'll see. We'll see. I shall wait my uh, wait my email notification with bated breath. Yeah. Like you say, they are the the beautiful the, the the Blu-ray box sets themselves are really beautiful objects. The vinyl, yes. like the the artwork on them, um, especially the Sunmakers, um, is is stunning, isn't it? It's that, beautiful, uh, actually. Yeah, I yeah, have to say that image on there, and uh, a lot of the other ones that are coming out as well, where they are releasing the some of the missing stories in those uh, those beautiful box sets, like the uh, the Dalek Master Plan and uh, Galaxy Four and things like that. The um, yeah, they're they're absolutely stunning. Um, they're, they're worth getting mm. those for the um, uh, for the artwork that you got on those. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, it's nice to have a thing, isn't mm. it? It's pretty things. Yeah, it's lots of pretty things. Yeah, as everything's going to download and 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 kind of uh, intangible media, it's nice to uh, it's nice to still to have some stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. I uh, yeah. I don't get streaming. I mean, I do. I understand it, and I can do it. I just don't really like it. No. It's what all those young kids do, isn't it? With their tick TikToks and and that and all their yeah. Netflixes and that. I like I like a thing. I like a thing you can bang off a table. I like a thing that clutters up your flat and when you try and move a big pile of it, you drop it on your foot. That's what I like. <laughs> that being said, um I have really got into downloading the sort of um Big finish stories because oh. they've been doing a lot of flash sales. Yeah, and their app is really good, and it's so you know I'm, I'm still working, so I'm driving in the morning to to work, and it's just nice to just listen to something mm-hmm. on the on the way down there. I can normally it's about an hour drive, so I can get two two stories, you know, two episodes in on the way down, and the other two on the way back. Oh, nice. So, yeah, are you going for recent stuff or what have you been listening to? I've kind of just been going for anything, just random, when it when it crops up on a, on a sale or on a promotion. So the, the one I was listening to last was The Wormery. Hmm. Um, oh, is that the, Baker, Iris. the one? Yeah, it's the one in the pub, isn't it? The yeah, yeah, the Iris and um, the Sixth Doctor. Yeah. And it's such a fun story. Yeah, it's it's a weird one because they've they've had like a big um, build up to the fiftieth, hadn't they? They've done mm-hmm. sort of Davros and Omega and Zagreus, and then it was the Wormery, not the one that came immediately after that, and it was a big sort of gear change down. 
Oh, I don't know. I'm going back a long time now. I think it might have been the fourth, actually. Zagreus. Sorry, Mark? I think the, that might have been the 40th, Zagreus. Oh. Mm. No, I, well, I, sorry, I meant the, the 50th CD that they released. The oh, 50th right, sorry. Thing. Yeah, not, uh, yeah sorry, sorry. No, it's no, 50th anniversary. I, I got, I got me, me ordinals all ambiguous there, Mark. Sorry, <laughs> yes. I think what well, that's a, a rare instance of us both being right. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the it wasn't the 50th anniversary. It was the 50th release that big finished it. Wow, this is a cool story. Right there we go. <laughs> Talk, talking numbers. We seem to have drifted away from the sunmakers a little bit, Mark. This is um, slightly chaotic podcast. If you don't mind me saying. And I can only apologise. I think Mark's Mark's still on question two. <laughs> <laughs> question two: Who are the sun makers? <laughs> I'm just imagining Mark there with a pencil, just scribbling out everything. <laughs> oh, I'm not even going to ask about that now. <laughs> oh, well, did you want to go through an episode? I tell you, I feel we've left that very late, but I'm, you know, I, 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 I'm in your hands, Mark. I'm, I, I'm happy we've covered the Sunmakers, if uh, unless anybody's. Uh... Oh no, there's so much we haven't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter three, the yeah. actual episode. <laughs> right. Part, part one. <laughs> so, so in the corridor. <laughs> And the little pothole opens. What is that? Because I thought, I think at the time, you know, when the, the lady's sort of giving him the account of his dad's death and how much he owes and stuff like that, um, I thought, oh, that's a that's a pretty rubbish way of rendering like a hologram or a TV image just to have a lady <laughs> poking out the pothole. But now I look at it, I think, is that actually just supposed to be a lady poking out of a pothole? She's quite high up. Yeah. Is it meant- is it meant to be a hologram or is she meant to be a real lady? That's my question. I took it to mean it was a yeah, a lady behind the hatch. A lady? Yeah, I thought it was a lady. Yeah. So only an idiot would think she was pretending to be a hologram. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I grew up in Leeds, uh, James, and I, the, I, I was... Um, yeah, it would have been about the, the early 80s. Uh, the, the National Museum of Film and Photography opened in Bradford, and it was amazing. It was the first IMAX screen in the UK, uh, and it was attached to a lovely museum that was just all about sort of filmmaking, TV making. There was a magic carpet on, like, a blue background, and they'd CSO the sky in and stuff like that. And there was one in the corner. There was um, a little polystyrene dummy. This is not one of the attractions. Well, it was an attraction, but a very minor one. A polystyrene dummy, but with a blank face and wearing Patrick Litchfield's clothes. And what they did was they had a projector, which you could see, and it projected uh, moving footage of Patrick Litchfield's face onto the blank face of this dummy. So it kind, oh. it kind of looked like Patrick Litchfield was explaining photography to you. So yeah. you know, stand and watch it. And I was standing watching it, and uh, there was a, a man there with a young lad who I assume was his son. And he was showing off to his son, and he said, um, you see that there? And his son went, yeah. He said, that's a hologram. And his son went, oh. His man said, yeah, if I put my hand through it, my hand would just go right through that. And I thought, it's a polystyrene dummy. Please, please put your hand through it. But he didn't. Oh, I really wish he had. But yeah, that's... 
that's that's what that reminded me of. Okay, so I'll cross the here we go. Hologram or lady in a wall. I'll cross off hologram. There we go. Lady in a wall. Aztec influence. We haven't talked about the Aztec influence at all. Yeah, I think this was uh, part of the early ideas for the design, wasn't it? That it was uh, it was going to be very Aztec influenced, but in the end, you just get the the sun logo um, and the big uh, the big ornament that that Hayes got in his office. Yeah, and Hayes hacked to a degree, perhaps, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Um, and in the end, they decided just to go for very bland, blank corridors as a as an aesthetic, didn't they? Yeah, we haven't mentioned. Michael Keating. Now, is this because you have you seen Blake Seven yet, Mark? Not yet. Um, There's only fifty-two episodes. It's very easy. Well, the, where can I find it? It's not on. <laughs> Isn't it on DVDs? Isn't uh, it on? Doesn't it stream on BritBox or something? Can't can't you download it on your fax machine from <laughs> from the edge? I don't know. I, I thought Blake 7 was a very easy thing to get hold of quite cheaply. Perhaps I'm incorrect. Uh, I'll have a look. I'm not sure. It's, uh, look, I mean, it's basically almost Doctor Who canon. There's a bit in Blake 7 where, and you'll know it when you get there, Mark, where I think Terry Nation's original idea was to have the Daleks turn up. Uh. How do no. I know it then if they don't? There's a lot of, there's a lot of crossover, isn't there? There's quite a few characters... Um, in this one, it, 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 as it, not crossover, as, but like yeah. actors and actresses that have been all, in. All the same people. Yeah. Mm. Richard Herndl is in Blake 7. I think that, is that maybe where I first came across him? Can't remember. Are you are you a Blake 7 person, James? I, I, I'm not, sadly. I, no. I, I've watched a couple of episodes, but it's, it's the same sort of thing with Mark. I don't actually own it. Normally I will go out and buy a box set and I'll watch, binge watch the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but I don't actually own the box set, which is something I do need to rectify. But um, uh, no, no, not necessarily. It was a big thing with me. Um, it was just the part of that as sort of Terry Nation being brilliant because of Doctor Who and the Survivors and Blake Seven. You know, that's the only three things you've done. That's still just massively impressive. Um, and I did when Blake Seven was current. You know, I'd, I'd have been at secondary school, so early secondary school, uh, when Blake Seven was on. Um, and it was definitely, a lot of people thought it wasn't cool, but it got surprising amounts of people watching it. A lot of people who weren't particularly science fiction fans would watch it, just because it was on on a, mon- was a Monday night it was on. Um, I don't think it was on against anything. And it's really well written. It's, you know, it, it, it's... It, it's like if Star Trek was just incredibly cheap and so if they spent all the money on sarcasm rather than special <laughs> effects it's, it's, it's like that and it's got a, again a really dystopic bleak view of, uh, of, of humanity it, it, it means a lot to me but maybe you know maybe it doesn't hasn't stood the test of time I don't know but yeah certainly you know when you see Michael Keating who played Villa who's one of the that, you know, there's very few characters who make it very far through Blake Seven. Very high attritional rate uh, on on the characters, but you know, Villa is in pretty much all of it, mm-hmm. um, and it's amazing to see him turn up when he's not Villa. Uh, you know, he's, it, it, to to me, but that's just me in this conversation. So, shall we move on? 
Because um, the Sunmakers is before Blake Seven, isn't it? I think you're right. It is. Yeah, I, yeah. I think this is how the, uh, how Michael Keaton got the gig. Right. Um, possibly got the, the Blake Seven gig, but again, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. No, I think um, I think I've read that. That because um, dependent Roberts directs Blake Seven. I think it might be in the complete history. He, he, but, he, uh, he certainly did some. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Now, what about? <laughs> I'm flogging this death a little bit. Um, collector tropes. Were either of you surprised when the collector? Uh, uh, sorry, when Gatherer Hayde addressed the collector as sagacity. It reminded oh, me of another Robert Holmes, just a Robert uh, Holmes thing. Script, I, yeah. I loved it. It's like it's a little Gather a Hade thing he does right the way through it. Your sublimity, your eminence. So oh, the to- yeah, toadying. Sort yeah, of. so he's yeah. Sort of running, running out of them towards the end. He comes up with monstrosity, your corpulence. He calls him at one point. <laughs> yeah, this was apparently because, as written, um, Robert Holmes had pictured him as um, as a massive character, like a huge guy so a lot of the uh, stuff about right. him being really big wasn't about his um you know kind of stature in the in the organization or anything but uh, about him being a physically big character um yeah. it says uh, in, in the complete history it says that they, they built on this in rehearsals and someone brought along a uh, roger's thesaurus yes to, this is uh, exactly what it reads as yeah. <laughs> Your elevation, your colossus. Yeah, it's uh, highmost hugeness, your amplification, um, globosity, <laughs> omnipresence. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think basically everything else I have written down here is just jokes that I really liked. Um, the bit where uh, Gatherer Hade is dismissed, the collector dismissed him, and he's sort of backing out of the room going, I have the honour to remain so your humble and obedient yeah. servant, etc., etc., <laughs> which is exactly the way you would you would end a bureaucratic letter. I adored that. Um, and what was the bit? The other bit was the, uh, the bit where um, the doctor and Bisham are tied up in the correction centre and the doctor is trying to engage the attention of the technician who's mucking around on the, the machine that the doctor has just uh, just booby-trapped. And he says, are you deaf? Is he, is he deaf? <laughs> he says, no, I don't think so. And then the guy gets electrocuted and the doctor says, are you sure he wasn't deaf? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except when he's saying you don't want to touch that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's exactly it. Oh, yeah. yeah, and speaking of which, the um, the safe at the end with the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy noise on the combination thing, and the Doctor says to Leela not to go in, mm-hmm. but she goes in anyway. What is it he says? He says something, something like, why, why don't you girls ever do what I tell you? And you go, ooh, really? Sexist. Ever so slightly, yeah. Mm. And this, so I've got one bit, one bit where I just seem to have written down wall of boobs. There's, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure a, I saw that episode. So, was uh, extra on the DVD? <laughs> no, no, it's really there. <laughs> We're going to build a no, wall. 
And it's like it's one of these that there's very little set dressing. A lot of it's quite stark. And at, at mm. one point, so watching on quite a big telly um, and you know upscale DVD, you go, oh, I can see a floor marking there. I can see when they <laughs> they've done a little felt tip thing where Kane Allen has to go. <laughs> um, so there's there's not much in the way of adornment, but there's one of the walls. Is it the one the great big long wall with the buggy? No, it's not. It's the bit where they. Um, they hide around the corner from the guard, which just seems to have a. It's just a, it's a wall of boobs. I don't, I don't really know how. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it, it's possible. I have just been alone in the flat for slightly too long. <laughs> I don't know. Because because he set the doctor sets up uh, the the camera on a loop, doesn't he? And you've, yeah. got, you've got those things on the wall. I think I know yeah. what you mean now. Yeah, no, but it's, it's the scene where people. they send canine round the corner to get rid yes. of guard. Yes, that's the one. Yes, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Wall of boobs, right? So we'll take that one off. And what was it? Why don't you girls ever listen to me? That's what he said. Yeah, my final question. My final question. Um, <laughs> How do we feel about this, this, the button with the spring on it at the end? <laughs> it hits the button and it goes, boing, 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 flies off. Neat. I'll go first. I really liked it. <laughs> it, made, it made me laugh each time I saw it. I think with all the, with all the darkness about the story, you need little things like that to just, uh, for that light relief. Um. I thought it was very sort of cartoony kind mm. of kind of thing, but it was you know that was actually quite. Yeah. I wouldn't say I necessarily laughed out loud, but it was, it did make me smile. Mm. Yeah, it's a nice little thing for the doctor being ahead of the villain as well to have, have used the time in there to, uh, you know, to disarm that. Um, like when he, you know, the stories where he'd sort of you know like take a power pack out of a gun or something like that, and. Um, mm. It's, uh, yeah. it's, kind of it's, it's Leela that sorts it again though isn't it because she says oh that's the bit where the collector sits mm. and Dominic says oh yeah and he puts all the information in there and she goes no there yeah. and it's like yeah she's good she's good the, the line about um, why don't you girls ever listen to me apparently was a Tom Baker ad lib um, oh. on the day mm. and the scripted line was um, you'll live mm. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps there was a third line they could have done that would have been better than either of yeah. those. Who knows? I was going to say, I don't remember Leela's reaction, but I imagine if it was an ad lib line that uh, Louis Jameson yeah. might have had a comment about it. I think she's yeah. still cold as well, isn't she? She, she doesn't come around. She's unconscious. The character is unconscious at the time. I, I don't mm. know to, to what extent Louise Jameson might harbour resentments about it. <laughs> <laughs> It's lying there going, I can't comment back. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I noticed right uh, at the start was um, the doctor says we're still in the solar system. Uh, oh, yeah. Which is, um, which is very uh, kind of a long-running Doctor Who thing because in the Dalek master plan as well, all the alien races who were, uh, who were um, complicit in the master plan all refer to Earth's solar system as the solar system. Um, oh. as if it was the only one or the main about, one talk about Tellurians as well I always really like it when people from Earth are called Tellurians and I, mm. I might adopt that myself but yeah you're right although you know when he said it you think well yeah, I mean you are still in the solar system mm. but you're presumably tens of hundreds of millions of billions of thousands of years in the future and also only just in the solar system 
Mm. You know, it's like it's it's an, it's an odd measure. Yeah, I like I like the fact that they they know the Time Lords as well. <gasps> That's so funny. It's just a lim- limited commercial, li- limited potential for commercial yeah. development. Yeah. <laughs> they are grade three. That was what I wrote <laughs> down. I was like, how many grades are there? You know, it's kind of like. Yeah, we don't deal with them. Uh, but it said, like, in their latest market survey, yeah. <laughs> sent, sent a census to Gallifrey. <laughs> it's, it's lovely that there is somebody out there who's going, oh, Time Lords, we can monetize that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pop along again, no. <laughs> what, what, I'm, what I'm envisaging, Rassilon, is like the Matrix, but it's very small and you carry it in your pocket and you can telephone people on it as well. <laughs> It'll never catch on. Nah, <laughs> could be right. Uh, the smartphone of Rassilon. Oh, I was watching the Five Doctors the other day, and everything was of of Rassilon. It's it's always it's like, have you got the shopping list, dear? Yes, what's on it? Sprouts of Rassilon, potatoes <laughs> of Rassilon, milks of Rassilon, written on the paper of Rassilon. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, I tell you, the Five Doctors is such a fine way to spend your time, isn't it? Oh, it was a fun evening, I must admit. I did, I did really Fantastic. enjoy that. Yeah. Good fun. That was one of the first, um, I think it was the first or second pre-McCoy story I ever saw. Um, so uh, I picked up on VHS and just watched it over and over again when I was a kid. Uh, mm. That's the same, same, same with me. It was... Um, I got it on a on a VHS double pack with the King's Demons. Yeah, a, that was when the special po- edition came out, wasn't it? Um, yeah, with the uh, super duper new special effects. Yeah. yeah, slightly different sort of time scoop and uh, slightly better Cyberman. Yeah, um, the, the lightning electrocution things. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, and I do. I just watched that again and again and again. Yeah. Brilliant. When I, when I got that three. Yeah, I wonder which um which season they'll put that with on the uh the Blu-ray collection. Because it was between uh was it twenty oh, and twenty one? Mm. Wonder where we'll get that. That's a that's a good thing to worry about. (laughs) (laughs) So, am I thinking now? Because I I was quite interested, you know, sort of watching a thing through like this. So, ninety minutes of watching the Sunmakers. That's that's not really how it's intended to be consumed. Mm. Um, And did did you guys? You, Mark, definitely post date that, you know, it's on on a Saturday afternoon and you have to wait a week and you will never see it again, period. What, what about you, James? When were you sort of starting to watch Doctor Who? What so I, so, so um, in, in answer to your earlier question, I am 43. I didn't answer at the time. Um, so um, my... Whole life ahead of you. Oh. <laughs> All those Zoom meetings. Um, <laughs> It's the new way of life. Yeah, um, yeah so, so for me, it was... I just joined at the sort of end... I suppose it was sort of Saturday, but then it moved to midweek. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when it started going, you know, when it started going up against um, Coronation Street oh, and, right, and things, yeah. it's stuff like it, that. It moved from a Saturday because of the 
the Buck Rogers threat. And to be fair, you know, you only have to look at Buck Rogers to see how well that stood the test of time and how huge Buck Rogers fandom is these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe didn't need to be as scared of it as they were. Um, so, yeah, but so, so you'll have had that experience of them being just parceled out 25 minutes a week and that's all you get. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I was at school when Sylvester McCoy's was on. So I, I remember going in the next day and talking about the you know the episode yeah. and what happened and I I, I do uh, remembrance of the Daleks was the one that just stuck out really for me when um, yeah when I was at school and the you know the the cliffhanger with the Dalek going up the stairs and yeah that was what everybody was talking about and yeah. when I see people talking about you know the latest Doctor Who so you know more recent um, stories. Sometimes it's difficult to to think that actually it's not really aimed at us specifically. Mm. There are moments in every episode where the kids will go into school the following day or the following week and talk about what happened and, and mimic it. And yeah. you know, that, I think sometimes we get a little bit we forgetful of that childhood experience of watching a program and going, "Oh, I love this." Absolutely, there's um. Uh, couple that I'd have friends with, uh, their daughter, who will be, gosh, what is she, is she 10? She might be slightly older, no, she's 10, 10-ish, um, absolutely adores Doctor Who, and uh, just just absolutely obsessed with it, and partly she's been brought on by the Jodie Whittaker stuff, but that's, that, that's how she started, and now she's getting into the David Tennant, Matt Smith stuff. She had a birthday just recently, got a fez, you know, it's like, it, it, and you can see it's like, it, it's still it's taking root in the kind of kids that it takes root in. Yeah, the, the reason I brought this up was that, you know, you're kind of watching it through, and you go, all right, so the first cliffhanger is the Doctor getting caught in a, you know, automated teller machine what are they called mark atms those yeah. those things <laughs> and you go is, is that particularly exciting no, i don't know not really uh so we you know it's a little bit and then the very next week he is um immediately bundled onto a stretcher by like four fucking guys dressed as international rescue you know <laughs> you know so, sorry i don't want to be speak against the company praise the company but if you were looking to you know sort of save a bit of money you don't need four guys just cruising the area <laughs> with a, stack, uh, a, a stretcher you know two guys could do it one guy could probably do it um so yeah you know you get these things and they're, they're some cliffhangers but they don't look very sort of tremendously exciting but that's because you're seeing it out of context. And I, I, what I did remember was just the anguish, because it, it's such a long wait for Doctor Who, you know, that then you had to go through all that boring fucking football results. And how brilliant is it at the moment that there's no football? It's just, <laughs> <laughs> just loving it. Poor bastards on Radio 5. It's just going, is there any football yet? No, there's no football yet. Should we remember some old football? All right. Then. So you go through the football results and then there'd be like, Basil, Basil, Bryce is awesome. And then finally, 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 you get to Doctor Who and you go, oh, brilliant, this is Doctor Who and you're in it and you're in it and you're in it. And then it stops 25 minutes later and that's it. And you go, or for a week agonizing absolutely agonizing and that that came back to me so vividly when i was watching this mm. I, I do remember that from yeah from watching the mccoys although it wasn't on a saturday night uh yeah definitely waiting for the for the following week mm. um and the most recent series where it's uh uh you know especially those last three episodes 
Um, mm. Although it's not as the same as when you were a kid and, and time goes much more slowly and it is really agonizing. Um, there was, you know, a lot of anticipation for, you know, to see what was going to happen next with the, uh, uh, especially with the two-part finale, I think. Yeah, there were, I, I felt so different with with those some of those cliffhangers no. almost like that childhood feeling that we've just been talking about where there were, you know I was online talking to people going oh my god I can't believe this happened which is the first time I've done that in a long time yeah uh, for you know for Doctor Who um, which is a, a, a credit to the the latest series that it's no, it's not it's very Marmite, but for me, it was very much recapturing some of that excitement of, I want to watch next week's and I want to watch it now. Sort of there. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Mark, I think we've, I think we've covered almost (laughs) (laughs) everything. (laughs) So question two. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, thank you very much, guys. I uh, really appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to rewatch this episode and uh, and come on and talk about it so entertainingly and eloquently. Well, thank you very you're much. Very, you're very welcome. Just yeah. go. Thank you. Your tweet, James, about the I can't remember what it was now. The um, the influence that uh, the, the oh the the, the the big um, computer had on uh, Chocoblock. Chocoblock, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had not remembered Chock-a-Block until your tweet, and it's one of those things I hadn't thought about for 30-odd years, and then there's me, like, oh, my God, yeah. I was thinking of it going, I'm sure I've seen something as basic as that before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I love little things like that, where you just think, oh, that just reminds me of childhood. Yeah. Was I in my mid-20s when Chock-a-Block was on then? Chocolate was 1980s, I believe. Uh, I don't know. Too grown up by then. I'm aware of Chocolate Blocks work. Chocolate Blocks clocking on or something, was it? That's it, yeah, Yeah, see? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I remember the the four-digit entry code from the back door to my block of flats, but I can remember (laughs) Chocolate Block clocking on. It's probably a monetizable skill, isn't it? It's, it's the things that are burnt into our memories. <laughs> Where can our listeners find you guys on Twitter? Uh, yeah, so I am Jixter2009. I am FeeksB23, FWXBY23. Don't recommend it, but, but by all means, follow me if you want. I'll probably follow you back. Tend to do that unless I don't. Oh, I tweeted a thing about Robert Peston the other day. It was just like a, a, a mildly whimsical observation that he does take quite a long time, having embarked on a word with a capital letter, to actually reach a question mark. Um, and I got like a, about 100 likes and things on it, and it was all from truly horrifying people, <laughs> some, of whom, some of whom tried to follow me. So I had to do a little bit of a soft block. But yeah, g- generally I have a, I very much, if you're following me and you're not obviously identifiably a Nazi, I'll probably just follow you back. <laughs> I tweeted something earlier early today or yesterday about, um, I saw on Facebook, I can't remember what I was looking for, but I, I came across uh, somebody on t- someone at eBay 
who has converted their old Doctor Who VHS videos into... Oh, uh, I saw your tweet about that. Yeah, I saw them into lights. Yeah. Was, was, it, was it Castrovalva or something? Um, that they'd done? It, was it was a Peter Davison one. The Ark of Infinity. Ark of Infinity. Mm. And then... Well, um, well, I was just a bit worried about what happened to the tape. Yeah, I think I think it might have been removed. Um, but um, it was only uh, when um, I was speaking to Colin. Uh, Colin. Was rem- removed and put in a skit. Whilst Ian <laughs> yeah. Levine was going, hang on a minute. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Interrupted. Yeah, Colin pointed out to me that it looked like I'd bought one. So um, and, and that was, was a tweet that got loads of retweets and likes and everything like that. And my correction or uh, clarification that I did not buy <laughs> I've not cluttered up my house with this. Um, has had very little attention. So uh, I, I, this, this could have been a, a money-making scheme for during the lockdown. You could have just got old VHS and just strip them out and put lights in it and sell them. It, it's just amazing, given that uh, Twitter is microblogging and it, it's a very, very small number of words. Just fucking read them, would you? It's like the number of people that have a Twitter go, yeah, I've understood that without actually reading any of the words. Just looking at I didn't think you caught it, Mark. I didn't think Thank Mel you. would let you. No, she's just true. She wouldn't. Know. <laughs> uh, well, that's our show. Thank you very much for listening at home. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye.